Yeah, a lot of things that the Democratic Party is doing. We spent the past three years uh, bickering among ourselves, uh, which should not have happened. There was no reason for it, and it didn't generate anything to the Democrats of Alabama. Uh, it, I think it was costly. kids welcome in your favorite weekly alabama politics podcast with that we have creatively named alabama politics this week i am josh moon and that is david person oh man it's uh it's been a fun week uh for us here or at least for me uh because <laughs> alabama lost over the weekend and <laughs> and they they don't take it well and i love to turn that knife on social media and just you know it wasn't even it wasn't even uh my my favorite college team uh auburn that, that beat them but it was my wife's favorite college team uh that yeah. beat them tennessee and so we've yeah. uh, uh i was i was pulling hard for them man and it was it has been hilarious to watch them uh, just fall apart over the course of the last week and just, you know, blame referees and talk about class and how classless they were. And, oh, it's just, you know, now some kids punched a girl in the head or something as she was coming on the field. It was just... What? Uh, it was like one of the Alabama players apparently took a swipe at one of the people that were running on the field, and there, there's video of it that somebody found, of course. Wow. Because you cannot... Man, <clears throat> let me tell you something. I am so happy that there was not social media and phone cameras out when, uh, you know, when I was in high school. My God, I would be utterly unemployable at this point in my life. I mean, I mean, the shit that we did that yeah. nobody will ever find out about, you yeah. know, that, uh, uh, yeah. that's just out there that we just know about and we can talk about and like, and we can put our own spin on it and everything. And there's not video of us doing it. And so it's right. just, oh my God. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, for me, for me, it's high school and college. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had a portion of college as well. But I mean, it, I mean, because they, while they were around, you know, a cell phone video from when I was in college would uh-huh. look like, you know, you know, the Zapruder film, you know, I mean, I would basically be the grassy knoll kind of part, you know, deal. Uh, but, oh my God. Yeah. So that, but anyway, so it's, it's been a fun week sports wise, uh, yeah. you know, not, not particularly great or awful politically. Um, but you know, I did in the midst of doing all this on social media, and we're going to get to some to some other things. We got you know some newsy stuff with a federal judge, kind of you know just putting uh, the department, Alabama Department of Corrections, just crushing them mm-hmm. and their secretive ways. And Mo Brooks saying some really really interesting things about Donald Trump running a scam through fundraising, which no way, really. <laughs> um, but I, I had an exchange because John Archibald wrote a column this week about Birmingham and the life of Birmingham and, uh, and how certain things have happened to kind of squeeze the life out of it. Um, and, and one of the things he mentioned, um, it, I, he mentioned it and we talked and we were talking about it on social media. Uh, and that's, you know, the breakaway school districts and, um, and other things that have happened, uh, to kind of harm, uh, the public school systems, uh, mm-hmm. especially in, in major, major cities around Alabama. And, uh, and he mentioned that, you know, that this was going to happen in, in Montgomery and uh, Mobile and Huntsville uh, as well. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, uh, listen, <laughs> uh, 
uh, Montgomery, you can't, there's nothing left to split in Montgomery, all right? You already, for a period of time, you had the highest percentage in the nation of private school kids in Montgomery. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a breakaway school district. You've got surrounding counties that push their school districts right up to the border of the city. Um, you know, that you've got charter schools down there now. There's no, you know, a magnet school system that takes away, you know, uh, 30% of the top students and puts them in different buildings. Uh, so, there's nothing left to split in Montgomery. And uh, and somebody responded, and I, it happened to be somebody who I guess I follow or is a professional. Uh, and so I don't I don't see everybody else's stuff. I've got my, my things filtered, so I, I can't see everybody's responses to me on Twitter because I just, yeah. I can't. I mean, there's some really dumb people. And not to mention all the bots and the people that, you know, they wouldn't say this to you in, in you know, in public place somewhere. Right. You know, if you met them, they wouldn't say the things that they say. Um, you know, it's just, and so it's just idiotic to have these things. And I used to do it and it consumed so much of my time and made me mad. And, and I just decided, why am I arguing with these morons? <laughs> people you don't even app? know. Yeah, people yeah. I don't know and people who wouldn't <laughs> act this way to me. If they came up to me in a bar somewhere, this is I'm spending time in a bar, but if they came up to me in a restaurant somewhere, the first thing these people who are calling me crazy would do is shake my hand and be like, hey man, you know, listen, I love your stuff, but, you know, yep. and it would be that kind of interaction, <laughs> you know, but here it's just like your mama's a hoe, you know, and it's just like, what, what are you doing? You know, yeah, what, yeah. What, and what kills me, what kills me is for somebody to say just the worst, you're such a hack clown. What are you even doing doing this? And you to respond back and be like, hey man, kiss my ass. You're like, How unprofessional. I can't believe, you know, <laughs> what are you talking about? How did you think this was going to go when you started right. it like that? Uh, but so anyway, it, uh, but I, I started the guy asked, how does this have anything to do with race? It's more about the incompetence of the administration in Montgomery than it has to do with race. And I'm like, dude, come on, man. Mm. What are you talking about? It, there's nobody. I don't care who you put in charge of the school system in Montgomery, Alabama. I don't care who you put down there. That person is going to struggle. That by all those people on the board, they've changed over. I bet there's been 50 people on that board since I live for the first time in Montgomery. Hmm. Um, you know, they've had probably five superintendents uh, during that period of time. Wait, and, you said 50 people, right? Yeah, I bet, I bet there've been 50 people on the board. On the over board the of course education. of 20 years, you're saying? Yeah, I would say that's probably about right. I mean, because, that, you know, that's you have an your incredible elections. number. You think so? Yeah. I think it's less than that. I mean, maybe, maybe it's 30. Maybe well, even that shot. to me is, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disputing you on the number. I mean, you would know. I'm just trying to think not, about live there, but I'm just thinking, man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of turnover. I'm just trying to think about how, how many people there are. And there's, there's, there's been typically a pretty fair amount of turnover in, in most of the elections, you know, there'll be one or two people change out, uh, hmm. you know, every election, I would say, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. So, you know, there's been a couple of people who died. There's been, uh, you know, some people that uh, were, you know, just decided not to run again. Uh, this last election, there was a, there were several changes in the last uh, little go around. Uh, and so, listen, I, you know, listen, don't hold me to the number. OK, I'm not a numbers okay. guy. All right. Okay. You know, just but it was, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of people for you to just blame it on the board as though it's been the same five people, you right. know. Over the right. course of this uh, this long period of time, it's not those same people, and they always have the same problems. And here's what you have: 
All right. You have a school system that had not had a funding increase in more than 20 some odd years and was the lowest funded uh, school system in the state in terms of local dollars going into the schools. They Mm. were the lowest. All right. So they had that already. You have an incredibly high number of poor students and learning disabled students within the school system. Then you have the one of the highest ratios in the country of private school students. All right. So you got that as well, because you've got a ton of private schools around there. Then on top of that, you have a magnet school system within the school system that removes the top 20 to 30 percent of students out and puts them in separate buildings. Okay, so you've got all that. Not to mention then now you've got a couple of charter schools around there and you've got the breakaway school district out in Pike Road and you've got these uh, close county school systems in Otaga and Elmore uh, that are short drives for a lot of people. So. You've got all of these things here that have removed most of the wealthier parents, most of the college-educated parents out of the school system, and you have been left behind with a school system that is that has a really, really high number of impoverished students and students with learning disabilities, mm-hmm. and you have put them all in the same stu- in the same grouping. You've called them failing schools, so you've allowed money to be taken away from them. And there's been no effort by the state to come in, except for when they, you know, they took control of them because there was a grade change scandal that that broke in 2012. So, Mm. but, it, you know, there was, so there's been no effort to do. So exactly blaming it on them, and I said, you know, this is this was caused by race. This was not this is not an administrative issue. No administration in the country could handle this this situation the way that you you they've done this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what's the what's racist about it? Oh, everybody leaving? What are you talking about? There's no reason. Montgomery schools were fine in the 1950s. Okay? But people left. They left because why? Why did they leave? Why do you think all these private schools popped up? Right. Yeah. And and that's and that and that's what I was going to say the um <clears throat> the the denial or or giving, you know, some people the benefit of the doubt because they may not know the history, the the, the lack of understanding they have is that the underlying theme in Alabama uh when it comes to education, <laughs> actually when it comes to a lot of things, mm-hmm. but, well anything political the underlying theme is race. Yes. It's the underlying theme. And and that doesn't have anything to do with I mean liberals know it, conservatives mm-hmm. know it, every you know anybody that has any kind of understanding of the history of our state and the behaviors of of our of our of our elected officials and our voters understands mm-hmm. that's the underlying theme. Case in point, we are still today dealing with the fact that we have racist language embedded in our constitution. And mm-hmm. that's why we've got an amendment on the ballot that's supposed to empower the state to get rid of this racist language and, and, and try to reorganize the constitution, which has, I don't know, 50 million amendments or whatever it is. I mean, so this is the underlying issue, Josh, and you know it, I know it. Yeah. And and that's what really, more than anything else, that's what explains what has happened in Montgomery, what has happened in Birmingham, even though the issues may be different, 
what has been happening in Huntsville over the past 40 years, even 40 plus years, even though the issues may be different, the underlying common denominator is race. Yeah, it, 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 this is where, and see, uh, what bothers me more than anything, though, is this, um, this inability of people to understand the nuances of broad social issues, okay? Mm-hmm. Because yes, you're a thousand percent right that this this began and and is still in a lot of ways influenced by race. All right, this, so this started back then, and and but along the way, this also affected poor white students as well that didn't have the means uh, to, to get themselves to these other places, okay, that didn't have the means to go to a private school, that didn't have the means to travel to another county, that didn't have the means to, to do whatever, all right? So th- it affected them as well. Mm-hmm. And so now you, you get on the backside of this and you say, well, look at the problems in Montgomery, all right? That's why the crime rates are so high, because you, you've basically taken two generations of students and and very poorly educated them, very, uh, very poorly provided them any guidance. Well, so are you saying that this is all, uh, all, all the black people do the crime? No, no. This is all part of this economic uh, disaster that was inflicted upon a lot of black people throughout the South, particularly in Alabama, that we know that the, the one thing, it doesn't matter black, white, it doesn't matter who you are. If you have a school with a high poverty rate, you have a school that's going to struggle. All right. It doesn't matter where it is. But we also know that in these states that a lot of those schools that with high poverty rates were black, predominantly black schools because of the way we had handled this. Okay, because of the lack of opportunities, because of the Jim Crow laws, because of the outright racism and things we had. We had all these people that we we denied good jobs to. We denied a a fair and equitable voice in their government to. Mm -hmm. And then we refused to go to school with them. And so we basically packed them into the same schools as well. And so that how, how does this. I don't understand how people don't understand what took place and how it influences what's happening today. Well, I think that, again, the problem is that you, you and I understand history. We've read mm-hmm. the history or we've been taught the history and then we've corroborated it with our own reading and interviewing people through the years and all the research we've done. Most people, I don't think, have done that. And as you know, you know, I wasn't educated here. I was educated in the North, mm-hmm. but even in the North, even in the North, there hasn't, at least when I was a child, there wasn't the kind of thorough in-school education about the very challenging, troubling, disturbing history of our country, especially in the South. Uh, as as I should have gotten a lot of what I learned, I learned because my my parents had me reading books, mm-hmm. you know, outside of outside of school, and and you know that what what you guys were taught in Alabama schools was, you know, and uh, if my parents the slaves were happy, man, listen, the slaves were well treated. Yeah. This is what most of them yeah. wanted. Okay, yeah. and that's they, what they I was, were well I was taken say, care of. And, you know, my, my I hope my pastor will forgive me for for what I'm about to say, but it was half-assed history. That's mm-hmm. what it was. It was not, 
It was not a full recounting of history. A oh, full retelling of history. So uh, I think it was I think it was whole last history. Okay. I mean it was just uh <laughs> it was just, you know, this is history as though an ass would tell it. Uh okay. you know, you know, I mean really, it's it was. And okay. I, I you know, I I had the good fortune, mm-hmm. I believe. I, I believe this, and I've seen it in other kids. As a matter of fact, in I'll tell you this: you know, I, I I have a problem with the magnet schools in Montgomery and the way that they they pull resources out of those schools and the and the kids there that could be peers uh, and really I think help in mm-hmm. the traditional schools that are in Montgomery. But I also know that the balance that is there within those. Uh, magnet schools, uh, the the racial balance, and uh, you know just just the way those kids interact with each other, and I I I I don't think that there's a better education to be found in the country than in those ma- magnet schools uh, with mm-hmm. just the the quality of the of the kids that are uh, you know, with the teaching that are there, and and with the quality of the students and the way that they respect each other because they have gone to school and essentially. Uh, 50, 50, 60, 40 environment for their entire school lives, basically. So they have had experiences with other uh, kids of other races that, that doesn't happen outside of those schools in Montgomery. You know, you, you're, you're talking in uh, in the traditional schools, it's 99 percent black students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the in the private schools in Montgomery, it's 90 plus percent white students. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that, this is not an experience. Most imagine that. I mean, just imagine going to school in a, in a city like Montgomery where there are so many black citizens and hardly ever encountering a black family. On a daily basis, right, right. That's what's happening in Montgomery all the time right. with these people, and 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 vice versa, yeah, vice I was versa, say, you know, vice versa. Um, yeah. And and so you have this un, lack of understanding of each other. That's just kind of built in, baked in from from birth almost, mm-hmm. and and it's it's really sad and kind of pathetic. Uh, because it's something that's really foreign to me. And listen, I, I grew up in, in Alabama. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't mistake what I'm going to say about Decatur as though I grew up in some liberal bastion, you know, where <laughs> everybody, you know, we 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 had, you know, Thanksgiving dinner at, at the park together. You know, yeah, right. we're not. It's not. You know, we're right. not. But at the same time, my high school, when I went to school, it was a 6A school, and we were 60-40, uh, white-black. And, you know, I played a lot of basketball. Uh, so I had a lot of black friends who played basketball that would come to my house and play basketball. That would, you know, we, we would go and meet at places and play basketball all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I honestly, I feel like I I had this experience in my life and it led me to, I don't, I don't fear black people. I don't fear. I I don't see. I think a lot of a lot of people I know, a lot of white people I know, have this seem to have this belief that if we if, if there's a quality that somehow they're going to lose something, yeah. you know, that yeah. they're, they're going to lose this standing or somebody's going to come and take it from them. And I, I've never had that. It's never it's never bothered me. It's always been so idiotic to me. And maybe a lot of this kind of just goes to my thinking is mm-hmm. the that we have based anything on the color of somebody's skin. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. that's 
like why? Why would why would that ever have been a thing? You know, why would why would that have been something that you suspected that that this black person could not learn the same as you or your children just because of the color of his skin? I mean, to me, thinking yeah. that way means yeah. you're pretty fucking stupid. You know, that well, that's what you think contributes to the to the knowledge that somebody can take in in their mind. I mean, that's, that's I- really. I, th- I think it's been embedded in our cultural DNA and in our literal, actual DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is something that goes back hundreds of years. In fact, uh, probably at least a thousand years. Um, if you if you look at if you look at everything, um, you know, uh, in in terms of just the the arc of of actual history. Yeah. Uh, I think it goes back to things that that we probably will never fully understand, but but um, you know, but it but it but it's rooted in, you know, it's rooted, I think, fundamentally in the fact that human beings always have to have something that that distinguishes them from the people around them and that creates a hierarchy. Human beings yeah. want a hierarchy. You know, some would argue that that's no different. It's no different than what's in the animal world, that the animal world is the same way. You know, there's always a, a hierarchy in animal communities. And so, you know, yeah. people describe us as, you know, we're, you know, many would say we're animals just like, you know, animals. And so that's what you're, you're dealing with. But, you know, so the distinction, you know, the distinction has been, what city states and nations the the the, the distinction has been gender you mm-hmm. know through history the distinction has been tribal tribal and and then at some point you know uh due to again things we may not fully be aware of in in every instance uh but there's certainly historical reasons to believe at some point it was became clear that race was the easy distinction yeah and yeah. so it became racial you know, and yeah. I think that, you know, if you go back, you know, to, you know, the, the earliest parts of, uh, uh, you know, the post, uh, that, that, that dividing line of history in my day, it was what, what it was BC and AC or BC and AD or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, you go back to that, 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 that dividing line. And I think somewhere around in there, that's when it probably started. And, and here yeah, we are be. today. I mean- I, and honestly, I, I tell you, I think a lot of it here in in this country uh, is built upon justification. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it was a way to justify what they were doing to, to people. It was a way to justify what their ancestors had done to people. It mm-hmm. was to say that, you know, these, uh, they, well, they're not like us. These black people are not like us. They don't, you know, they're, you know, whatever, they derogatory well, terms, and even, animals, even go barbarians. Back further, Josh, I mean, before it was, before it was Africans, people of African descent, mm-hmm. it was uh, the indigenous people. That's right. right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it wasn't just the indigenous people in this hemisphere, but yeah. if you go to other parts of the world, it was the indigenous people there, you yeah. know, so there's always... You know, and I and I'm not one. I'm not one of uh, in the black community. We call them hoteps or um, or black nationalists, or you uh-huh. know, they're, they're various words for them. I'm not one of those folks. God bless them, but that's not me. That's not my ideology. Right. But I do believe that we can track a lot of what we're talking about 
to decisions that were made by European royalty and yeah. also by religious leaders of those, some of those uh, post-ancient times. They yeah. made concrete decisions, and, and I think race was one of the formulas that they used because it was easy to pick out, it was easier to distinguish who you were supposed to hate and who you were supposed to subjugate. That's, yeah. that's what I think. Yeah. And I, I don't, uh, I, you know, I think there's a lot of things. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think there are a lot of things kind of baked into this. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I tell you the one thing, the one thing that I do struggle with. Um, and, and that's when somebody says, OK, well, well, what do you suggest to fix this? You know, like the take the schools in Montgomery, for example. You know, what what do you what do you suggest? that we're going to do, you know, cause are you telling me that I'm supposed to take my kid and send my kid to a school that I know is, is not performing well, where it's, you know, she's, she's going to struggle uh, or he's going to struggle uh, to get a, a decent education because of what, of what's taking place around them. Uh, you know, I, you know, I acknowledge, I, you know, I've had people say, I acknowledge the, the terrible history and what led to this, but what's the solution? You know, what, what's the solution to this? And, um, you know, I, and I, I don't, honestly, I don't know that there is, there's no easy, there's no one line bumper sticker answer. I don't think to, mm-hmm. to that. Um, I think it's going to take, um, you know, one of the things I argued for here and which was the reason that I was so, so angry and, and, and find it just so awful what Charlotte Meadows has done with her lead, uh, Academy charter school down there is because it didn't do anything to help. It was just a money grab completely. Mm-hmm. And because I, 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 I thought that what they should do is institute there in that city, things like LeBron James has done and uh, in, in, in his hometown of Akron, things like Jeffrey Canada did in New York City, uh, the Harlem Day School, mm-hmm. uh, those type of charter schools, which go in and address community needs uh, and they take novel approaches. They're very expensive to fund. They're very, they take a lot of outside help, uh, which I think you could get in this day and age. Uh, you know, first of all, I think I would go and talk to LeBron James, just to be honest with you. Uh, right. LeBron James, Charles Barkley, those, those Jaylen folks. And Rose say, is another one who's yeah, doing the same thing in absolutely. Detroit schools. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, I think that they need in Montgomery uh, an avenue for people uh, to uh, for kids now to get away from what's what's harming them mm-hmm. outside of these schools. And we all know what it is. I mean, it's not a secret. Uh, yeah. You know, Montgomery did a lot of really dumb things over the over the period of the last 25 years or so in terms of shutting down community centers. Uh, you know, basically folding up a lot of the middle school athletic programs uh, that they had. Those sorts of things were keeping kids off streets, and people were screaming about this when they ha- when it happened. Yeah, the guys that dealt with these kids every day, and they got yeah. written off as being, you know, doing it for selfish reasons. But they were 100% right. And, you know, I, if we don't do something like that and take some novel approaches to this, it, there's no fixing it, okay? So you're going to have to take those – uh, kids and put them into these neighborhood schools, get them away from what's, what's holding them back, you know, really focus on them. Uh, and let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. If you think there wouldn't be buy-in from, from parents around there, you're crazy. Those, those I mean, this, there's this, this idiotic ideas about what is, is the problem with parents and stuff in, in Montgomery schools. And it, it's not, a, a lack of desire for a good education. That ain't that right. ain't it. 
You know, right. it's you know, a lot of those folks are working two jobs or trying to make ends meet or, you know, there just a number of things that that cause problems within poor communities. You see, whether it's white, black, doesn't matter who it is. You know, you go to mm-hmm. go to your average trailer park. All right. And all the same problems will be there. Um, and yeah, but that, the, that's but- it. But but I will say, and I think you're exactly right with what you just said, but I will say I think there are two key differences. One key difference is that white society does not look at white trailer parks or, or, or trailer parks that are filled predominantly with poor white people mm-hmm. and then extrapolate from that 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 white people are a problem. They don't do <laughs> yeah. that. No, but no, they do no. that with black people. Yes. They do that with other people of color. Yes. Uh, the second thing is, and you 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 said this earlier, or you alluded to it at least earlier, and I just want to say it flat out, unambiguously. The government has been the biggest culprit in creating the financial conditions that have limited black people. Yep. Since slavery, post slavery on, yes. and that's everything from not fulfilling the promise. Uh, 40 acres and a mule, you know, to freed slaves, to all of the uh, pre-Jim Crow, Jim Crow, and post-Jim Crow discriminatory laws that were designed to to create a racial hierarchy and to deprive black people of opportunity and wealth. And Could have fixed it with simply the GI Bill. Could have fixed it with simply the GI Bill. Yeah, the GI Bill is is one is one certainly is one thing that could have uh, fixed it, but uh, or or certainly made a dent in it, mm-hmm. um, a real dent in the in the challenges that have been faced in our community. But you know there was so you, you know even even with something you know even if you uh, you know if that had been used, I would yeah. still argue that. It wouldn't have completely offset redlining, oh, employment no, discrimination, no. Uh, yeah. housing discrimination, um, you know, and, and some of these other things that, um, you know, have been used systematically. And so, you know, I think in our telling of history, we, we forget the role that the government played. And, mm-hmm. we, and we, and a lot of people... And admittedly, a lot of people weren't taught this or they didn't follow it. And so they don't know it or or if they do, they conveniently forget it. And instead, they want to see black people as the culprits of their own demise when the real culprit has been the enemy that has been the U.S. government acting on behalf of white society. Yeah. That's really what it's been. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no argument about that, and you can trace it back through, uh, through history, and um, you know, and you can look at what's been done. I mean, there's just been, uh, you know, any number of of atrocities um, and an unfairness, you know, really just unfair, flat out unfairness in a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, from the war on drugs to, you know, just, I mean, it just it, you can't. There's no way to adequately express you know, the wrongs that have, that have occurred. And mm-hmm. a lot of them have been race-based uh, because it was, and for a number of reasons, uh, both because of racism and because of political expedience. Um, yep. 
And, yep. you know, I, I think that those things go hand in hand in a lot of ways, and especially for one particular political party. Um, it, um, it it helps them uh, because you deal with simple-minded people who think uh, when you say, well, you know, the black people are you know, they're, you're doing the crimes and they're wanting reparation, you know? Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. Well, um, the data shows just the opposite, Tommy yeah. Tuberville. Yeah, and and you know, and so the, here's here's where we are. But we, you know, I without some buy-in from a lot of people, and 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 unless we can get over this, you know, it's it's not going to change. I don't guess. Um, it's a sad state of affairs and a sad thing to say. But I, you know, we are better. Uh, you know, and we have moments uh, mm-hmm. that that make us a little better here or there. But you know, the wholesale changes. Um, I think a lot of people kind of expected after the election of, uh, of President Obama certainly didn't happen. They went, we went backwards uh, and ended up with a complete raven lunatic uh, mm-hmm. that built a lot of his campaign on race and still is. Um, and it and played to this group of people that are, you know, isolated in the bubble, you know, right wing, far right nuts that uh, that build a lot of their ideology around racism. And, you know, this is. I I don't know. I just know this. I until we fix what's wrong with the education systems in a lot of places like Montgomery, uh, Birmingham, Huntsville. Uh, there's growing problems in Huntsville as well. Until we fix mm-hmm. that, we're not going to be better. And you know this You're is right. it's, and you can't isolate people and expect that things will improve. That doesn't work. If you if you think you can do that, look what's taking place in Montgomery in a lot of ways. You know, uh, mm-hmm. with some of the things that have gone wrong. But all right. You know, on that uh, somewhat depressing note, oh. uh, let's, uh, <laughs> you know, let's, I slide out because uh, we have something uh, I think a lot of people have shown up for uh, today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. clicked on this, <laughs> there's a reason you clicked on it. Uh, yeah. Because our guest is uh, the famous uh, Dr. Joe Reed. We'll yeah. uh, we'll find out what's going on with him, or the Alabama Democratic Party, and uh, and we'll answer some some of the and the Alabama Democratic Conference. Yes, yeah, right, the Alabama Democratic Conference, and yeah. you know what? Just life in general, just yeah. life in general for Joe Reed. And I think that uh, I think we'll all find it very very interesting. All right, we'll be back in a minute. Alabama politics this week. I'm David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, you listen to me and Josh every week, and we have a blast as we talk about Alabama politics and culture and as we interview newsmakers and journalists about Alabama politics and culture. Thanks for your support of this great podcast, and I hope that you will continue to not only listen, but to share it with your friends and also give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. Thanks a lot. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. And uh, we are very, All very right. happy now to, uh, to have with us uh, Dr. Joe Reed, one of uh, the most legendary figures uh, in Alabama politics um, that, <laughs> I mean, uh, you look back, David, and it's uh, uh, it's honestly it's it's like having a kind of a history book uh, come on the show with you uh, to yeah. uh, to answer some questions and things. But 
Uh, Dr. Reed, I, I I really appreciate you taking some time to, to come on with us yes. and, and spending some time, and I hope you're doing well. I'm doing good, and I thank you for inviting me to participate in this program. I think you have a very fine program. As I've always said to you, that you are one of the smartest journalists in Alabama in, in the country. And I've said that yeah. behind your back. I, I think you are <laughs> very, very, very smart. And that uh, it's always good to have smart people talking to you because you learn a lot from them. So I'm just glad to be on this program. And uh, thank you for inviting me. Yes, sir. Well, first of all, flattery is always welcome. Uh, and uh, and I, I I seriously doubt that I will teach you anything, but I appreciate you saying that. Uh, but listen, I, I you know, I think a lot of people um, have, have seen what's happened uh, of late with the Alabama Democratic Party and uh, the Democratic Conference. And uh, they know that a guy who you support and Randy Kelly is back at top of uh, the Democratic Party in the state now. Um, and I just wonder uh, what you think of, I guess, both the criticisms of of where the party is and has gone over the course of the last several years um, and where you think the party is and what the future looks like. I know those are very broad questions, but I wanted to give you a lot of room here. First of all, thank you for raising that question. I think it's appropriate, and I think that uh, we ought to address it. There are a lot of things that the Democratic Party is doing. We spent the past three years uh, bickering among ourselves uh, which should not have happened. There was no reason for it, and it didn't generate anything to the Democrats of Alabama. Uh, it, I think it was costly. And what I mean by that is that what had happened, the struggle was in, in 2018, the um, NASA World was chair, and mm-hmm. uh, NASA World was a gracious and good and a fair lady. Uh, she really mm-hmm. was. Uh, yes. and, and she was uh, been president of the Alabama Education Association. She'd been a teacher. And, of course, NASA also uh, was uh, had been secretary of state. And NASA, mm-hmm. NASA was was competent. She had all of the qualifications, none of the disqualifications. And what happened, there was an effort on the part of Doug Jones to come and, 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 and take control of the party. Now, the mm-hmm. Alabama Democratic Council supported Doug Jones, hook, line, and sinker. Because a man winning with a vote he won by, everybody can claim credit for his victory and and be right. Because right, every, right, all right. of us are winning. I don't think any one yeah. group said, well, we put him there. And, right. and so another group said, we did too. So that mm-hmm. was on that issue. And they uh, they came for NASA. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, I, I, and I was asked to help get rid of NASA. And I told them, no, I was not going to do that. I said, like, of all crimes, the worst crime is ingratitude. And NASA had been a good, and NASA worked free. NASA didn't get one dime because the Democratic Party has been financial straits at least since 20, 2010, uh, even, even before that. But it, 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 it grew out of that. And, uh, and, and when uh, NASA uh, won, as we thought she would win, because we had counted the votes. And that mm-hmm. uh, we we knew where the votes were, and I told uh, uh, Chairman Perez at the Democratic National Committee who had called me, and I told uh, uh, the Senator that leave this alone. You don't have the votes. We're not going to leave NASA. There's no reason to leave NASA. 
The Democratic mm-hmm. Party has had its problems for a long time. And you can go all the way back 50 years, 100 years. Right. The Democratic Party has always had this struggle between the various factions. Before the blacks got involved, we had what we called the uh, lawless and the Dixiecrats right. at that time. Right. And now, right. and it was a struggle. It's been a struggle. I remember George Wallace tried to get rid of Bob Vance back in 1974. We met mm-hmm. at the Parliament House in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and uh, George Wallace sent one of the top guys, one of our guys, at Bob Vance. And of right. course, uh, uh, when the deal went down, George Wallace missed Bob Vance too. He didn't get Bob Vance either. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the Democrats in Alabama never let the governor select the chairman of the party. Right. No, no. It, the, 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 but now I believe firmly that the chairman of the party ought to work closer with all Democrats. And if the mm-hmm. governor got something special he wants, if it's doable, give it to them. But if it's not doable, you can't do it. So anyway, we spent a lot of waste a lot of time on that. This time around, we had another election on the uh, 13th of August because the Democratic mm-hmm. Party elects its officers between the 1st of August and the 15th of August for state people. At the county right. level, the Democratic Party elects its county chairs between August the 16th and August the 31st. So August mm-hmm. is the month when the Democrats elect each year when the governor runs. So this time around, uh, we went through the same process. And this uh, Randy Kelly uh, won. Uh, Randy Kelly is a very fine person, and he uh been with the Alabama Democratic Council a long, long time. And so mm-hmm. Randy got elected, and the Democratic Party has some challenges. And here's some of what they are. I personally think the two biggest challenges facing the Democratic Party of Alabama. We got to get more white folk in the party. Right. The other reason, we got to get more black folks to vote. Right. You put that combination together, you uh, you, you can rebuild the party back. That's number one. Number two, we got to, we cannot rely on what I call the old guard. What I mean by that, those who said, well, the Democratic Party left me, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. Well, hell yeah, mm-hmm. we left you because you weren't <laughs> going anywhere. Right, right. That's why you got right. left. We didn't right. leave you because you, we didn't want you to ride. Mm-hmm. We left you because you were standing still. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got to do. We cannot be, mm-hmm. and we cannot out Republican the Republicans. Right. We, make a, we need to make a clear distinction between the Democratic part of Alabama and the Republican part of Alabama. Make a clear mm-hmm. distinction. And then you give people a clear choice. Yeah. Right. So, yes. The Democratic Party has and continue to look forward to making a lot of changes. But those who talked about the the party left me, you talk about the days of segregation. Mm-hmm. You talk yeah. about the days when the uh when, when wages were low. You're talking about the days when we, we, people couldn't vote. You're mm-hmm. talking about uh, the whole issue of, of denial of civil rights. You're talking about those things and, 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 uh, that people are now saying, no, we got to move forward. We got to look forward. And that's right. what we are now doing, looking forward to building. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, so, want, I wanted to to go back just a second though to to yeah. something you talked about with the with the takeover or when Doug Jones and yes. those, those folks tried to try to get rid of Nancy and what you know to try to draw a parallel to what you're talking about about moving forward. One of the things that they did. Uh, was implement some new bylaws, and I think um, I think a, a lot of people feel like that those bylaws were necessary because it did offer the inclusion of a lot of groups of people that that weren't necessarily having a voice in the party previously. And, and I wonder what your viewpoint is on that, given what you just said about you know moving forward with with the party. Well, fundamentally, that 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 was not the case. Uh, we had always had a, a, a vice chair for youth affairs. Mm-hmm. We've always pushed youth. We've had youth go to, to the Democratic conventions. We've had youth mm-hmm. to participate in the Democratic Party. That was a, that was a makeshift. You see what was happening? That was a change, and the change was really that blacks were getting to be a majority in the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that was the best thing that could happen because we need more whites in the party. Mm-hmm. But that blacks were mm-hmm. leading and that and, and they were controlling the governors of the party. Mm-hmm. Now, the Alabama Democratic Conference, which is the backbone of the Democratic Party, has always supported both blacks and whites. If you look at mm-hmm. the history of it, the Alabama Democratic Conference has supported more whites than blacks. The Alabama Democratic Conference supported what we had six candidates running for for, for the Senate. Mm-hmm. Doug Jones went up. We met at the AH, at the Alabama Democratic Conference headquarters, uh, and we had to make a decision. We had two blacks, four whites. But the Alabama Democratic Conference supported Doug Jones, the white, mm-hmm. over the blacks. Why? Mm-hmm. The blacks were qualified, but we didn't think that the blacks could win. And wow. we wanted to try to win. And the name of the name of politics is you got to win. You could I almost made it. I'm praying for you and all that other stuff. That nobody takes the oath who comes in second. Yeah, well, I think I think the bigger point was was that, that this was not just a black and white thing anymore. That minority meant more than just simply black and white, or just simply black folks in the party. That it meant uh, the LGBTQ uh, kid and kids and, uh, and and Asian folks and and all of those. That is that is that is very true. That and that they ought to always be welcome, and they were always welcome. Uh, what nobody, what they didn't say it back in nineteen in, in twenty seventeen. I mm-hmm. sponsored a resolution and amended the bylaws in twenty seventeen to mm-hmm. be sure that we get more of other groups involved. So okay. that was nothing new, but I said that was it, it sounded good, and I think right. they did. I think they did a better job on PR. Than we did, we being Nancy Worthy's faction, uh-huh. uh, I think they did a better job. Because you they think they would, t- that, would they have had the same voice in in that they do uh, under the the current bylaws? Oh yes. In fact, my position has been and still is, and what the, what the National Party rules say. Everybody mm-hmm. is if everybody's represented based on their numbers in the Democratic electorate. Everybody, okay. and 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 uh. You see what happened? The blacks filed a lawsuit some thirty years ago mm-hmm. because we were not fairly represented, right. and and uh, 
We won a lawsuit. We settled a lawsuit. Now, that gave us what we set out to do, and it took us a long time to get there, but it, it, it was what we agreed to, so no argument. There were, for example, the veterans don't, didn't have, don't, have, a, don't have a committee. Uh, the, the, the women want to set up a caucus. We said, well, you already have 50, 50, 50, what do you need a caucus for? The women, the women, the women 50, 50, and right now, everything in the Democratic Party says women got to be we call what we call the equal division rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, blacks are represented based on our performance. I think LBGQs ought to be represented based on their performance. Okay. I think the other groups ought to be based on their performance. Now, in the, under the census data, you can read and see that they point out to the, the, the Native Americans, the Asians, and uh, Hispanics. Look, all and that's what we. I've been that way for a long, long time. Keep in mind that when the Alabama Education Association and the Alabama State Teachers Association combined the black and white teachers of Alabama, that was a equitable representation rule then. So I'm I'm philosophically committed to that and everybody else. So all that other stuff was a little, 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 little out of the way, but I won't take up time talking about it today. But uh, <laughs> fundamentally, yes, we look forward and want to, because we need every vote we can get if we're going to become a, uh, uh, a viable party again. We're going we're gonna to need everybody we can get. But now... Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, Mr. Reed, let me jump in here uh, and ask you a couple of questions before we we, uh, run out of time. One question I have to ask you is uh, tied to something you said. You said we need to get more whites in the party. And I think that's absolutely correct. We do. Now, up here in North Alabama, where I am, I'm in Huntsville. Okay. When I when I when I'm in meetings and I'm and I'm a Democrat and I'm actually on uh, the Democratic uh, the Madison County Democratic uh, Party Executive Committee. So when I'm when I hear when I hear your name mentioned yeah. or when I bring up your name as a cor- in the course of conversation around white Democrats, you are and I think you know this. You are a polarizing figure. Amen. Okay. So, so let me ask you, and you just said amen, which tells me you know it and you, you're not worried about it. Like, like, we, like we used to say uh, when I was a kid, I ain't studying you, right? Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this. A, two-part question, A, why do you think you're a polarizing figure among white Democrats? And then B, uh, do you believe that there is anything that you could do to mitigate that? I'm, I'm a polarizing figure because white, there are a lot of whites who believe that if you look for civil rights for black folk, you're somehow against white folk. And that's not the case. Just because you want black folks to have equality, it doesn't mean you want white folks to have any equality. Some of the folks you mm-hmm. you ran across, you, I'm sure exactly correct, that they don't know me. You, have, you, have you ever met him? No. Have you ever seen him? No. Have you ever talked to him? No. They'll tell you, they'll tell you no. People who know me, he's like the guy said about BDO. No BDO. I work for the, I work for the Alabama Education Association for, 
for Teachers of Alabama for 42 years with AEA, the merger of black and white teachers, and one of the most successful uh, integrated groups in the country was Alabama Education Association. And no teacher, no people, no person who knows me would ever say that anything I've done. Now, wrong against anybody, because I, I, firmly, mm-hmm. I firmly believe that, that uh, everybody ought to have a voice. But yeah, Martin Luther, they were polar, Martin Luther King was a polarizing figure. Mm-hmm. Any, any, mm-hmm. any black man who gets out and fights and don't unapologetically, yeah, they're polarizing. Oftentimes okay. they're misunderstood. I think I firmly mm-hmm. believe. I firm there are a lot of white teachers who that I represented with AEA would never tell you that. They won't tell you that. But the right. people you are talking about, yes, but they're basically who don't know me. And I'm saying, and those are some of the folks who want to going to stand still. We're going to move, we're going to move forward. But that's one of the reasons. But all, I don't know, Frederick Douglass was a polarizing figure. A black men who right. and black people, not necessarily a fan of New Hammer, was a polarizing figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, any black out there who's fighting like hell to try to make things better is going to have resentment and opposition. Now, but so 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 the part B of my question, sir, do you think there's anything that you could or should do to try to mitigate that? Absolutely. Be quiet. Say nothing. Do nothing. Grin. Scratch. Giggle. And what have you? Yes, I could do that. Will I do that? No. <laughs> we'll keep doing what I've been right, doing. Right. And that is being right. fair to everybody. I, I, I yield to no one on my commitment to fairness. And people who know me mm-hmm. will tell you that. Every former mm-hmm. used to say that who was my one of my stunchest political rivals in Montgomery, Alabama. He's a mayor. And we didn't get along on a lot of issues. But he said one thing about Joe Reed. He said his word is as good as a 30-year treasury note. So if he tells you something, he'll do it. Mm. And that's the way I am. Okay. And the bottom line is, how happened if he were living today, he wouldn't tell you I was polarizing. Well, a lot of people, folks who know me, don't, but I can I'm not gonna change. I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep okay. beating the drum for justice. Okay, let me let me shift gears, uh, Dr. Reed. I wanna ask you. Uh, this question is about what I think is historic, and and you're you you have a, a much better sense of history than I do, so maybe you can, if if I'm wrong about that, you can correct me. But as I look at the as I look at the sample ballot for Madison right. County, here's what I see: I see a black woman running for governor. I see a black woman, not a Democrat, a libertarian, but a black woman running for lieutenant governor. I see a black man running for U.S. Senate. I see uh, a black woman running for secretary of state. I see a black man running for attorney general. And in the 5th Congressional District, I see a black woman. From my vantage point as an African-American, this to me is a it's a historic slate, mostly for the Democratic Party, but for Black people as a whole. Uh, a, do you think that other people realize? And when I say other people, I really mean our people, Black people. Do you think they realize that we've got a historic slate of candidates 
um, uh, running for office, A, uh, and then B, why do you think it is this historic slate seems to be struggling when it comes to everything from fundraising to, uh, to notoriety? We have a rule in Alabama Democratic Conference that we support anyone. But one of the things we'd like for folks to be electable and acceptable. Some of these some of these folks around are very good people. But the Republican Party is the dominant party in Alabama mm-hmm. now. White men can't win the Democratic government. White women can't win, can't win. That's why they ain't running. Now you name for emphasis. They're not running. Uh, I'm glad to see some of these blacks mm-hmm. run. In fact, I was disappointed that we didn't have more blacks to qualify for these offices, or more Democrats to qualify for these offices. The next time around, I hope we have a whole, uh, oh, we have a, a, a slate, somebody running for every county. There's some counties in Alabama where no one runs black or white as in the Democratic Party. Plenty, several, several counties. Those things got to be closed in, closed up, because people get enthusiastic about candidates and about people who run it. That's what people, and people contribute. Politics is, a, is, a, is an investment. It's an investment. And you invest in something that you think you can get some return on if it's never, and, and, and I'm right. talking about good so, government. So, Dr. Reed, let me, if, if, if you allow me, I just want to re- respond to that in a way that will hopefully elicit uh, a response from you. Uh, I understand exactly what you're saying. Here's my problem as a black man who cares about, uh, I care about this state, but I also, you know, like, I, I'm like my old man. I'm a race man, okay? You know, what we used to call a race man. Before okay. I'm a Democrat, yeah, I understand. before I'm a Republican or whatever I am, but I'm a Democrat. But before I'm anything, I'm a black man. So if the issue is, if the overarching issue in our state is that Democrats are not, generally speaking, are not electable, then my question is, why is it that we see when Walt Maddox is running for governor, we see Walt Maddox flying around the state in a plane? He's he's getting money, but Democrats aren't electable. Doug Jones, you know, and I got no beef with Doug. Doug has done he he had a great tenure as U.S. senator, uh, as far as I'm concerned. He had a great tenure, even though. You know, I understand there was some internal politics going on that that that, uh, you know, wasn't really, you know, didn't bode well for us. But but Doug Jones, okay, he's a Democrat. I would argue the only reason Doug got elected was because black women showed up and Richard Shelby gave Republicans a blessing to go vote for somebody else other than Roy Moore. Otherwise, Doug Jones wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been electable. I see white Democrats running and getting money. I see black Democrats getting squad douche. Nothing. Nothing. You're right. You're exactly correct. I'll give All you a right. little story right quick. Right. About 30 seconds. My son got ready to run for mm-hmm. probate judge. 
in Montgomery, Alabama. He came and said he was going to run. And I told him two things. I said, so let me tell you something. I said, if you want to run, have at it, but keep this in mind. And I told my sons, I said, you got to raise some money. I said, white folk ain't going to give you money to beat them. Mm. And then black folk ain't going to give you money at all. Mm. I said, now, if you want to, if you want to get some money, go in there and talk to your mama. She'll bootleg more money to you than you can raise. <laughs> <laughs> and she did. <laughs> and she did. He, he uh, ran. He won. Uh, what I'm making is that people, you go back again. I used the word while ago, politics is uh, an investment. It, it, I don't mean anybody getting get money out of their pocket necessarily, but it's an investment. People put money into races they think they got a good chance of winning. I don't care whether you're black, white, or polka dot, tall or bald. It doesn't matter. And some candidates, if people don't think you're electable, they're not going to waste their money on, they're not going to do what they call wasting their money. Now, you and I may make donations out of goodwill and sympathy mm-hmm. and everything else. So people can raise money if they if folks think they're electable. But again, keep in mind, there are some folks in Alabama, you could be electable, not going to give money to certain candidates. Yeah, and I guess my underlying point is, uh, and Josh, I'm, I'm, this is just a summary point. I'm not going to I'm not going to be pontificating. You're fine. You're fine. Okay. Um, my underlying point, Dr. Reed, is I believe that white candidates, white Democrats get the benefit of the doubt in terms of electability. And I think black candidates don't. That's really Amen. what I'm saying. Well, in some cases, you're right about that. Black folk are more prone to vote for white folk mm-hmm. who don't have much of a chance than they are black folk who don't have much of a mm-hmm. chance. Man, I've seen it over and over again. And you, you are absolutely correct. Okay. I don't differ with you one bit. I witnessed it day in and day out, drop my head and frown mm-hmm. on my face and everything mm-hmm. else. There's a difference. You know, I think that um, you know, one of the things that, that both of you have mentioned um, is that um, we have a real problem here. First of all, just electing Democrats in the Amen. state of Alabama. Uh, and we have uh, next door to us a state that also for a number of years in Georgia had a number of problems electing Democrats to office. And then they started a a project and they got things turned around. And I think there has been a model now that a lot of people around in red states have looked at to try to emulate. And so I guess I got two questions. One is what happened in Georgia doable here in this state? And two, what is, is there, uh, you know, and I, I know that Randy Kelly's in charge of the party. Um, and I know people like to call you the puppet master of, of the party and all this. And, um, uh, but is it, is there a, is there a plan going forward to start to carve into this Republican dominance in this state? Is there a plan that we can, that people can have hope for that? We're, we're looking for hope. We need some hope. Give us some hope. I hear you. I, I hear you well. And you are absolutely correct. Earlier, I mentioned the fact that Nancy Worley worked free. Mm-hmm. Really. And worked hard. Building a political organization is hard. I've been retired come the come end of this year. I would have been retired 11 years. 
And I worked every day for the Democrats of Alabama, every day, free. Mm-hmm. I don't get one dime, haven't asked for one dime, ain't try, not trying to get one dime. But we got to build something. And I'm hoping that two years from now, we will have a whole new approach to running people off, governor included. For example, mm-hmm. I believe we're at the point where we ought to run a, a group of young leaders. Young leaders, I think the people of Alabama will look at that with favor, male and female. And I'm talking about mm-hmm. as a young folk, I'm not talking about in their teens, but certainly not in that. I'm talking about somewhere between 30 and 40. Wow. That, that, that we set out and we're going, we're going to put together a recruiting team to recruit people that's electable, that's acceptable, that can and can raise money. I tell people all the mm-hmm. time, young folk don't have any money, mm-hmm. They got their homes to pay for. That's, I mean, really, I've been here no, long true, yeah. they, they have their homes to pay for. They got their children to educate. They got their car note. <laughs> Old folks don't have it. They're not waiting for Jesus. And so, the, 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 and, 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 and the bottom line is, older people are going to have to start helping fund young people. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. That's what we got to do. And it happens all the time. So, yes, uh, we definitely will. And we'll be really looking at that. And that's the one thing I'm beating the drums for. And that is started looking at people. I will have a whole black and white slate all over mm-hmm. Alabama, before the farms, Andalusia, Athens, all over. That we right. get younger people, newer faces. Because again, Bubba and Cooter are gone. They're not coming back. Mm-hmm. Big man Junebug are not coming back. But we got yeah. to get now somebody else to help push it forward, and we got to help them. We can't take young folks and just leave them out there by themselves. But we got to help them get there. And not just because they're young, but because they're promising, because they're good. And that's what we're working on, and that's what you're going to see in the Democratic Party from now on and ahead. And that's why I said those who want to yeah. ride the train, get on board. Those who are going to stand still, goodbye. Because right. they want to hang around to the past that's not what the Democratic Party ought to be looking to. And if you look in Georgia, if you look at the votes in Georgia, where did they get the most of their votes from? They got from younger people. Right, right. From younger yeah. folks. And, and that's right. what we got to yeah, cultivate right. here. Yeah. Uh, this is the last question, and we'll, we'll let you go. I know you spend, you spend extra time, and I, I, we really do appreciate you, okay. you doing this that's with okay. us. Yep. But, yeah. Well, what I wonder is this, uh, you know, and David mentioned it a little bit earlier about you being a polarizing figure in, in Huntsville and things. Yeah. And um, I've known you for a long time. Uh, you, you and you and I have disagreed on things from time to time and, and, and butted heads a little bit from on, on certain issues. And but I've always I've always respected you because I know the history uh, and I know your, your history and your fight and what you've done uh, for. Uh, a lot of people. And I think Anthony Daniels has been on this program before and said, you know, without Joe Reed, there would be no Anthony Daniels in office mm-hmm. here. Okay. He said, so, so, so I know what you've done. And, and, but I wonder you, there, there is a lot of, there's a lot of anger, I think, directed at you personally. Now, I mean, and it's personal, it's personal stuff with a lot of Democrats. I'm just keeping it within the Democratic yeah. Party. There's yeah. a lot of anger uh, from Democrats directed at you. And I wonder how that affects you. And if it if it has led to you rethinking anything that you're doing or changing anything about yourself going going forward or in the past? Has it has it led to any changes? Or And, and does it concern you when you hear that sort of talk? I know what I'm doing. And the folk out there who criticize me don't know what I'm doing. 
That's the thing about it. I know what I'm doing. I'm dealing every day with fair, fair with people. I'm doing everything I can that I play by the rules. But I learned the rules now. Yeah, I learned the rules. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if I'm in it, I'm gonna have something to say about it. I'm not gonna be a steward. I'm not gonna be anything for anybody. But there's nobody in this world, the state of Alabama, will tell you who ever dealt with me. Nobody, not a soul, that I'm an unfair man. They will not tell you that. But I know what I'm doing. They don't. I volunteer. They don't. I get up. They don't. I come over here every day. They don't. I come over here every day. And, 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 and they don't. So, no, I'm not going to change what I'm doing because what I'm not, what I'm doing is right. I'm doing the right thing. I stand for anybody. If, and, and, and if it's underdogs, there's a story behind that. I won't get into that today. One day we'll talk about it, about an underdog case. In my book, one of my friends in my book, you'll, you'll see it. I'm writing about it, about, it, about, about being for an underdog that I hadn't planned to be for, but I wanted to be in for a minute. Wait. But anyhow, the, no, my whole thing is, Work every day. And if I'm not, suppose I don't do it. Who's going to do it? Suppose I don't do it. Mm-hmm. Suppose I go home this evening and say, well, Molly, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, 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 it's all goodbye. And I've, I've, I've given a lot of thought to that. But if then mm-hmm. evil triumphs when good people do nothing. Mm-hmm. And courageous, you have to have courage, you got to have honor, you got to have integrity, and you got to have a mission. Keep your eyes on the prize. And don't forget who the enemy is. Don't forget who the enemy is. It's just as uh, Moses told the Israelites when he was down in Egypt. You can know who the enemy is. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I take focus on. And I'll, I'll try to help. I've I got legislators, people that I've dealt with over the years. Well, say, so, you know, you, you're still there and you you, you, and you're doing okay. God is blessed. I'm doing pretty well. My mind is still good. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. at least I think it's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think those folks had a problem with your mind a long time ago, though. You know, that's uh, <laughs> so. Hey, hey, Dr. Reed, listen, honestly, it's it's been a pleasure to have you on. Yes. And, and we really yes. appreciate you coming in and, and answering some questions and, uh, yes. and, and and explaining to people what, you know, what you, you believe the, the party is and the future for the things. And I we think to build a party uh, and we got to attract. And I think that we're going to build a party. With younger people, whites mm-hmm. particularly, we're going to have to do it that way if we're going to build a party. And the party, as I told blacks when Randall was elected, this can't be an all-black party any more than it could be an all-white party. Hell, right. it, was, it was a white party in 1945. Yeah, you right. Know, here we yeah. are. Well, well, the Republicans have already cornered the market on the all-white party. So we you know, <laughs> <I> got to. <laughs> that's because after Smith versus all right in 1945, it shifted. Because mm-hmm. the Democratic yeah. Party, we all know, really was a part of the Confederacy. That's right. And the Republican Party was supposed to be our party. But mm-hmm. it, it, got, it, mixed, it got mixed up. And when the, right. when the Democratic Party started dealing with civil rights issues, Mm-hmm. When the Democratic Party started dealing with civil rights issues, and as Lyndon Johnson was so rightfully said, that when he signed the Voting Rights Act, he said, I'm going to turn the Democratic Party, I'm going to turn the South over to the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. He was right. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason. That, and one thing I will say before I close, too, we got to teach white people. 
we got to teach white people that just because you're a black person advocating for civil rights, it doesn't mean you're trying to take anything away from them. You're really trying mm. to get what they already got. Mm. That's one thing. <laughs> Another thing that we got to teach whites, and we got white leaders. White leaders got to got to got to do it. They got to stop misleading white folk. We said that this is having a color. People of color are going through this. White folk are catching hell too. White folk mm-hmm. are poor. White folk are sick. Mm-hmm. White folk need mm-hmm. medical care. White folk need all the things that black folk are trying to get. Most time, white folks are having, but most time they don't have it. So black folk and the people of color are not the only one who need the Democratic Party. White people need the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party stands for the thing that white folks need. Amen. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yep. Listen, Dr. Reed, thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us today mm-hmm. and uh and, and answering the questions. And hopefully, hopefully when that book comes out, we'll get you back in here yeah. and, and you can we'll, talk to us again. We'll, we'll do it. We've right. been pleased. Right. I thank you for inviting me and entertaining one of one opinion, I'll give you one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's my line. That's my line, I think. Yeah, right. All right, we're gonna slide out of here. It's Alabama okay. politics this week. We're back in a minute. Thank you. Good to see both of you. Everybody, if you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? So shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama politics this week. Josh Moon, David Person, and, you know, Joe Reed, <laughs> you know, Joe Reed. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, listen, I, I, for all the people that are going to, that are going to tune in to, to listen to that. And I think there are a lot right now because there are a lot of people who you, you're, there's very, as with his entire life. Okay. Mm-hmm. There is no gray area with Joe Reed. Um, either you, you like him uh, and respect him. Uh, well, you know what? I, I will say, I think that there are there are a lot of people out there who respect what Joe Reed has done in his life, but they disagree with the way that he has handled things of late with uh, the Democratic Party in the state. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I do think I do think there is that gray area there. But for the most part, I think that people have settled on on, on one of two sides. Either they like him or hate him. And, um, uh, you know, and, and listen, that's uh, it's kind of the old Dale Earnhardt. Uh, line where you know you you don't care if they're booing or cheering you just want a reaction when you walk out there and I think that's the way that uh, that Joe Reed has lived and you know and honestly I don't think he cares I, I think that what he wants is is to state his peace and do what he thinks is right and um and this that's how he's going to live his life and I've seen him do it I've disagreed with him uh, on a number of occasions um outside of the political world, uh, into the sports world and the way he's handled things at, at Alabama state. I disagreed with, uh, uh, the way the folks at Alabama state ultimately ended his relationship with that university. And, um, mm. you know, I, I felt like pulling his name off of the academe there was, 
uh, maybe not the the best way to go about things and, you know, to do it in such a public fashion. And uh, I just, you know, that that's just my opinion. That's just my mm-hmm. opinion. I also know that there are a lot of people that feel very, very hurt by the way that he treated them um, at ASU. And uh, and they will wholeheartedly argue with you and sincerely argue with you that what you know he he did and uh, was absolutely worthy of him having his name removed uh, and that it shouldn't be up there uh, if somebody is going to behave the way that he behaved in certain ways. And, uh, you know, I don't I disagree. I said, like, like I said, with with the removing of the name. But, you know, I understand that their arguments hold hold some weight. And so well, I, I have to admit, um, I, I'm foggy on why his name was removed. Can you can you go ahead and tell that story? Because I don't really remember why. So, all right. So <laughs> uh so there were, you know, as with a lot of things related to Dr. Reed, mm-hmm. there was a long running feud between himself and certain factions at ASU. Uh, he would control things for a while, then some others would come along and control things for a while. And whenever one of them got into power, the others got shuffled off. And, uh, you know, and I listen, I sat in a board meeting one day at ASU and literally watched them ignore a trustee <laughs> that they could, that they claimed was not appropriately appointed by Bob Riley. And I mean, when I say ignore him, I mean ignore him like little kids ignore another little kid, okay? Oh, like this wow. dude would talk and they would turn their heads, you know? It was just like, no, <laughs> they would not pay any attention to him whatsoever, okay? I mean, it was the most petty thing I've ever seen in my life. That's, so, that sounds funny. That yeah, sounds funny. It's, it, there, there, there were things. It was so I mean, one guy got escorted out by the police. And mm. I remember doing the and I remember describing the interview with him in the paper as we conducted the interview by the snack machines. <laughs> <It's, it> was, <laughs> I mean, and it was just but it was always something. OK. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and then there was this investigation where they wanted to fire L.C. Cole, who's a football coach. And, um, you know, and it. Essentially, things spiraled to the point where they were back and forth at each other so much. And then the other the the anti read group of folks got in charge and they said that because of his detriment, detrimental actions to the university, they were removing his name to from from the Academe. Um And they voted on it at a board of trustees meeting. And <laughs> just like that is gone. Uh, they removed the name that that next uh, that day, that afternoon, uh, wow. from, from the side. And, um, and, you know, well, I, like I said, I, I just, I felt like, you know, yeah, he, he, he did play an integral role in getting the, in getting the Acadome. That's what they call it. This is the Acadome. It's mm-hmm. a big arena where they play uh, basketball on, on the campus there. And he was an integral part of getting that there, finding the funding. It wasn't his funding. It wasn't mm-hmm. come out of his pocket, but he was, he played a role in getting it on the campus. And then they had named it for him. And a lot of people disagreed with the naming it for him to begin with. Even people mm-hmm. who were on his side thought it should be named for like one of the great coaches that were there or some other folks uh, that had come along and led the university. Uh, but 
you know, it was the Joel Reed Academy. I wrote it a thousand times in game stories about because when I would go and cover Alabama State basketball, uh, I wrote the Joel at you know Tuesday night at the Joel Reed Academy or Monday night at the Joel Reed Academy, and mm. it was just you know I, it took forever for me to stop writing the Joel Reed Academy. Yeah. Honestly, uh, well, I, but you know that yeah. that's kind of what what went down, and okay, it was well, you know, you know I I'm I, of you, the opinion. Quite frankly, I don't think living do. people should be honored. Yeah, so I'm I'm of the opinion, quite okay. honestly, that living people should not be given those types of honors. I think that should be reserved for those who have passed on. Yeah. Though I understand there's a certain logic, perhaps, in that case, there was a certain logic to um to naming it after him. But yeah. but one reason, one key reason why uh I think it's wise to not do so is because of things like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, no, it is. does something, yeah. then you have to Yeah. It's, I mean it, you know, he didn't yeah. to be fair, I mean, you know, he didn't really do you know, any one thing. It wasn't like they discovered, it wasn't like a Harvey Weinstein situation. You know what I mean? Right, it wasn't right. like a you know, Bill Cosby sort of deal. You know what I mean? Where they, they come back and found this awful thing that he had done. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just kind of a, a buildup over the course of years of of animosity between these two groups of people. And, you know, when that group got in, they felt like they were in the right. And listen, they can make a strong case that they were in the right. I'm not, I'm not, when I say I wouldn't have done it, I don't mean to, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to question them necessarily. You know, I'm just saying I would have let it go uh, and moved on to, to something well, else. Well, I actually you know. agree with you. I just as I think they shouldn't have put his name on there to begin with. Yeah, I also think they should not have taken it down unless you know he had done something, you know, Cosbian or something yeah. like that. You know, but if it wasn't, you know, drugging women or stealing. Yeah. Millions yeah, right? of dollars, yeah. or killing somebody, or you know, if it wasn't something like that, if it's just politics, if it's just yeah. you know, we don't agree with your the way you've done A, B, and C. Well, no, leave his name up there. That's not yeah. that's not a good reason to take it down. I hope Cosby and sticks, though. I really gotta say, I hope that because that your terminology of Cosby and is something that sticks on with the with the culture. I, you know, I mean, he, listen, this guy did something Cosby, and you'd never believe it. Uh, I hope it's something we hear on like MSNBC in the few. You know, I, I agree. Uh, I, you know, like I said, I. I, there were there were a lot of moving parts here. Okay, there were a lot of things that that transpired, and I I'll, I'll be honest with you, I wrote a lot of times. Uh, matter of fact, that's how I met uh, his sons uh, was through email with them disagreeing with some of the things that I wrote about what their father had done and how wrong he was for the way he did it. I mean, I I've never experienced even after this because I was young at that time. It was my first gig out of out of college uh, was covering ASU athletics and. Um, even since, I've never experienced anything as crazy as that investigation into the football program. Mm. I mean, dude, I it, you, I can't even describe it to you. I can't even describe the insanity of that. Uh, it was, they had a guy that wrote basically some allegations against the head coach. <laughs> the head coach. And 
Um, it started this like six year investigation into the football program mm-hmm. where uh, basically the NCAA sent somebody down here and that person was so overwhelmed with the bullshit that was going on. I mean, it was, and when I say bullshit, I don't mean like, um, like wrong, you know, like thing, things that were going wrong in the program or uh, violations or things that they were doing illegally. I'm just saying like the back and forth bickering among people at the same university trying to blame each other for certain things. OK. And it was oh, it was just out of this world. And I, I mean, we there was something that would happen. Oh, God, every other day there was things that would happen that would just blow your mind. And, uh, you know, and it just it. So all of that to say, you know, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have taken his name off the building. I understand why they did it. But, you know, that's that's this is who this is who Dr. Reed is. He is uh, a polarizing figure. And, um, you know. Certainly, you uh, up to you whether or not to agree with him. Uh, so, yeah. Um, well, absolutely, he's polarizing to some, and yet for others, he, um, I think, is a is a legend, and he oh, yeah. is uh, an icon, and you know, he's. But 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 you're right. I mean, he's, he's like you said earlier. You know, in the podcast, he's one of those guys you either like him or you don't, and yeah, and the people that don't like him. You know, uh, you know, they really I mean, it's really kind of it, it. As I said during our discussion with him, it just astounds me. You know, when I when I bring up his name or when his name is brought up in certain circles, it just astounds me the depth of um, this this dislike yes. and distrust. You know, it, it it's like, um, you know, you, you would think that he'd gone out there and led an insurrection or something. I mean, you know, yeah. it's just it's yeah. it, it's it's really astounding to me. No, you're you're right. It's um, uh, and, and I, you know, I, 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 I have I've written and said things at times, you know, in, in, in disagreement with Dr. Reed and mm-hmm. um, and in doing so about kind of a response from people like you're talking about. And and I always kind of felt compelled to say, well, okay, look, wait, just, you know, you know, I don't, I don't think you, you understand the full historical significance of Dr. Reed. Okay. Um, and, and so I've always kind of felt compelled to almost defend him uh, at times, even though I disagree with whatever it was at that particular time he had done or the mm-hmm. way he had behaved in doing something, you know, I, um, it, it I always felt like even if you disagreed with him, there should be a certain level of respect yeah. that that should that should come through there because of what he has done and what he's what he's gone through. And really, um, and even for the no matter what you think of the Democratic Party right now. All right. Mm-hmm. That man ran a show for a long time. And I mean, a real juggernaut of a show. And the Democratic Party, and mm-hmm. they they were kingmakers, and uh, they handled stuff for a long time, and they did it, uh, yeah, with you know, they they had some authority, and they they made some people pay a price at times, but for the most part, you could go and talk to either one of them, and and there was reason, and there was logic, and there was things that they did uh, that I think helped a lot of people, um, and I, I just you know I think that 
those things are worthy of being remembered and not to mention the battles he fought for equality and for, you know, on, on a lot of different fronts with a lot of different people, uh, and especially here in Montgomery. And I, I just think that those things need to be remembered and respected. And you can disagree with a person without hating them, uh, yeah. you know, without without just, you know, despising them and talking so terribly about them. Yeah. Well, 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 let me ask you this. You know, I you know, I grew up in Chicago where. You know, what we would call machine politics was an everyday reality. Mm-hmm. You know, you had a heavy handed mayor, Richard M. Daly, notoriously bigoted, um, w- but also, um, I mean, as overt a polit- political figure as there's ever been in American history, you know, in terms of doling out patronage and and taking care of his people and dis disenfranchising of the people and doing all this other kind of stuff. And what I so when I when I juxtapose a Richard M. Daly with mm-hmm. a um with a Joe Reed, you know, because that's that's sort of it, 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 to me it's sort of a um it's a fair it's a it's a fair idea to juxtapose them because of the power that is ascribed, you know, is ascribed to Reed, right? You know, um, especially by his opponents here in the Democratic Party. I'm thinking I don't really see the same thing going on here. You know, now I'm not saying that you know he hasn't wielded power or influence. I'm not saying that, but that's what's expected, though. Mm-hmm. When you are leading a political enterprise. That comes with it. So what's the difference? I keep asking myself, what makes what Joe Reed has done so egregious in terms of uh, the the wielding of power mm-hmm. that people get so so deeply twistedly uptight about it? You know that I haven't seen with other political power brokers like a Richard M. Daly or or. Or, or probably anybody else we could we could name. Yeah, I think there are two things. All right. um, I think the first one is uh, of late a lack of success, and two, he's black. All right, so okay. I think that you for the and but I do think number one plays a much bigger role. Okay, because I think people are willing to tolerate um, a, a level of unfairness a level of dictatorship, a level of heavy handedness. Let's, you know, Mitch McConnell comes to mind. If, if you are successful in the pursuits that you have, if the party, the democratic party were making gains today, uh, if the democratic party in the state were having some success at the ballots, if the candidates were getting good funding, if there were, there had been some level of turnaround or, if they had simply not fallen off the cliff to quite the degree that they fell off, um, I think there would be a much different attitude towards Joe Reed uh, than there is today. Because I, I think what they see now is a man who who had, his leadership has ultimately failed at the top of the party, and yet he still wants to hold on to this power even to the detriment of the party itself. I think that's what people have the biggest problem with. Now, okay. I'll also say that I believe if he were a white man, 
he would probably be given a bit more grace and uh, and not thought of in quite the hateful terms that some people think of him in. Um, you know, I, and I'll, I'll say I think a lot of people. Uh, there's a good example in in Nancy Worley. I think a lot of people gave Nancy Worley a bit of a pass because she was a nice lady. I really liked Nancy Worley. Yeah. Like Joe Reed, yeah, but I really lady, liked yeah. Nancy Worley. I thought she was a nice lady and mm-hmm. um, and and all that. Uh, that said, I think she got a bit of a pass at times as and and was labeled essentially a puppet of Joe Reed's. Uh, when I don't know that that was basic the, the most fair way to to frame the situation. Um, I think that she was her own lady. She knew exactly what she was doing. She was smart. She was capable. Uh, she knew where things stood. And to act as though she was just doing this thing because Joe Reed wanted her to, I don't think that's right at all. I think they worked in tandem on a lot of, on a lot of things. And so I think, but I think people wanted to give her a pass because they could, they could blame the villain in Joe Reed over here. And so I, I and I do believe that, that at least some of it was was racially based. Now, okay, I I I, I just but honestly, so, no matter what, the success uh-huh. would have solved all of it. Okay, okay, so okay, I think that's a good. I think your explanation makes a lot of sense in my mind, even though I'm sure there are people out there who will disagree. But mm-hmm. I think it makes sense. I think she 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 didn't make as good. Nancy didn't make as good a villain as Joe does. For you know, personality reasons uh-huh. as well as for racial reasons. But here's here's my other question for you, Josh. Mm-hmm. So people are always quick to assume, and you just said this yourself. They're always quick to assume that whoever's sort of working alongside Joe Reed or or above Joe Reed, that that person must be the puppet, and Joe Reed <laughs> okay. is always the puppet master. Uh-huh. You know, he's the puppet master with Nancy Worley, they thought. He's the puppet master, they think, now with Randy Kelly. And I'm wondering again, you know, as you just said uh, about Nancy Worley, why are they so quick to assume that Randy Kelly's not his own man? Randy Kelly is 70 years old. Mm-hmm. He's a pastor. He's lived his own life. You know, um, why in the world does he not get the credit for whether you agree with him or not? This, yeah. You know, you could disagree with them, agree with him. But why do you assume that he's not his own man in doing what he whatever it is he's doing? I, I think it I think it has a lot to do with demeanor and personality uh, and a lot of that. Um, I, I think that if you if you put Randy Kelly and Joe Reed in, in a room side by side. And said, "Okay, pick the leader." I mean, who would you pick? You know, and well, well, I, okay. Can I? Let me just say this. Okay, I've been in since since Randy Kelly has been elected the chair of the party. Mm-hmm. I've been in two meetings with him. I believe two meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, with him that were relatively small, relatively private. Right. Uh, one was one was a virtual meeting, and one just happened this week. Okay, and there were only five of us in the meeting. Include well, I think that's right, five or six of us in the meeting, including myself. And I'm telling you, every time I've been around Randy Kelly, and also I've been around Randy in public 
more public meetings since he was elected and before. And I'm telling you, that guy has his own mind. He's got his own. I'm not saying that. No, listen, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not diminishing Randy Kelly when I say that. I'm just simply saying that if you had to pick the leader between those two men, you would pick Joe Reed every time. I mean, you know, if you you pick the guy who's going to be the leader, uh, you know, who who could more adeptly lead and more because successfully of, lead. Because of charisma, you're saying? Or yeah, something? charisma. Uh, I mean, just the leadership qualities, you know, that, that somebody has. You know, the way that uh, you know, there are certain people that, you know, as much as I hate him, Nick Saban. You know, when Nick Saban walks into a room somewhere, you know that Nick Saban's in charge of things. You know what I'm saying? He just has that the way that there are certain people that just carry themselves that way. And Joe Reed does that to a, to a large extent. He carries himself in a way that lets you know that this man is a leader. And I'll say this too, for, for on Randy Kelly's part, you know, without Joe Reed, Randy Kelly wouldn't be leading his party. You know what I mean? I, I think that's, that's also a big factor in why people see him as kind of a puppet of Joe Reed's. Same with Nancy Worley. I don't, without, Without Joe Reed, she would not be in charge. Without him orchestrating this vote for them on their behalf, then they would not have been successful in pursuing okay. leadership in the in the party itself. But uh, you know, I, I, again, though, I don't want that. As I just said, I don't want that to diminish their contributions in this. Uh, you know, Randy Kelly is is his own man. He will contribute. He will have his ideas. He will do his things on a daily basis uh, to lead the party and to do certain things. And he should be take the blame and take the credit uh, for whatever happens on, on those decisions. Um, because I do think it's easy to blame Joe Reed for everything that happens, you know, and I yeah. think a lot of people fall into that trap. But you know, I, I don't I don't think that that's necessarily the fairest way to go about it. Now, that said, that said, Joe Reed is pretty smart at, at orchestrating up, uh, you know, party takeovers, basically, and, and working within the rules and the bylaws, even when you change them uh, to you know hold some power. And, you know, I think where a lot of people have a big problem with Joe Reed is is that there seems to be a lot of effort and a lot of smarts put into controlling the party. And then nothing. You know, we're, we don't have the Stacey Abrams in Georgia level of organization and um, focus there to, to retaking the state that we should have in this state. There's been no forward movement on those fronts while he his faction of people have been in charge. Mm-hmm. Um and you know but was I, there I, but was there when his faction of people weren't in charge? I mean I I mean I'm 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 gonna keep it real now. Let's sure. put it on the table. You know, I like Chris England. I, I like him too. a lot. I think he's extremely smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think he's uh, uh, represents a, a lot of real positive things about our party and just politics in general. But I'm sorry, during the Chris England tenure, when he was party chair, mm-hmm. there was no big, huge transformation of the Democratic Party. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think that there was there was a, a huge transformation of things. I think that's been a disappointment to a lot of people um, out there. I think that you can see. Um, Bright spots 
in certain places. This is the reason why we we all, or at least I always, I think you do too, uh, give a lot of credit to Anthony Daniels for what he does is because you can see the way he goes about things and the way he focuses on stuff. And that is not a broad picture focus for the party as a whole that, and we've, we've taken a lot of exceptions with the way they overspent money on things with the way that there was a, a lack of focus on, on, on building uh, good quality candidates. I mean, look at the candidates that are on the ballot right now. I mean, there are a handful of races where Democrats have real opportunities in places. And most of those places are where Anthony or somebody similar to him, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give uh, Bobby Singleton some, some credit on this as well. You know, Bobby Singleton has done some stuff with, with Kim Carter Lewis um, and, and in some other areas that isn't happening in the party as a whole. And I don't understand that either. And so you're right in that those things did not happen to the level that anybody expected it would. Um, and so, you know, I, that doesn't make anybody feel better, I'm guessing. But uh, well, uh, and so my point you know. is just again, I think there's an unfair, there's an unfair uh, standard that's being in operation here. If we're is holding, it? No. if we're holding, is it? Joe no, I, mean, Reed, I don't, I don't think that there Joe is. Reed, well, 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 I'm saying, but if we're holding Joe Reed to this high standard, uh-huh. then we should have held Chris England to the same high standard. Well, I think we did. I think we. I think people were holding him. I think there were a lot of people who were upset with Chris England uh, that that said exactly what you said. I like Chris England a lot, but we're not happy with the way things are going. There's there's a lot of room. You, you we've all heard them. We've all and this was not from Joe Reed people. These were from other everybody outside of this. We've all heard these the well, complaints I think you've probably and heard criticisms. More than I have. I think you've um, heard more than I have. Yeah, I, I just think that they're there. And he was only been in charge a short period of time. And so I think that that would have grown uh, over the course of time. Um, but, you know, everybody saw that this long, you know, this long slide had happened and they thought that this was going to be changed. So they were excited. So they were going to give him an opportunity to fix things and mm-hmm. give other people that were in charge, Doug Jones as well, opportunities to fix things. And so I think that's where a bit of leniency played into this is that they historically, they weren't responsible for the slide down the hill. Uh, not that anybody was necessarily responsible for that other mm-hmm. than a national shift in politics. Uh, but you know, there are just a lot of things that went wrong over the course of a long period of time. And people saw this as maybe possibly a change coming. You know, we saw what happened in Georgia. We knew it could be done. Let's get started. And yeah, I think there've been a lot of criticisms about what took place in that time period uh, that after that, that vote happened and nothing much changed. Um, you know, certainly mm-hmm. nothing on the, uh, in terms of offices, has changed. We'll see if that takes place. I think that the Democrats do have about five or six opportunities in the upcoming elections to make those changes. We'll see if that takes place. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I think it's fair to criticize all of them, honestly. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, Everybody, but nobody's I, above criticism. Yeah. And, and I also wish this is what I told everybody, I, you know, listen, it's fair to criticize everybody, but also at the same time, it's also fair to realize that we much prefer them over the alternative. OK, absolutely. Right? I mean, absolutely. It, you know, absolutely. so we're all basically on the same side. We just can't get the side to row in the proper direction. a lot of the time. Right. So, well, I think our our 
our anxiety level, if you want to call it that, or our intensity level comes because we want the party, we want the Democratic Party to be its best. Mm -hmm. We don't want to see it in shambles. We don't want to see, um, uh, and I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to say about this, but I'll just say, uh, you know, there's some things that are happening with the Madison County Democratic Party uh, that, you know, have been kind of disturbing, some things that need to be worked out. Uh-huh. And we don't want to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. We don't want to see, you know, uh, the, the we don't want to hear reports about, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars being expended by the, the state Democratic Party. And and there's but we don't see any evidence of how that's had an impact on elections or get it, or get out the vote efforts. We don't want it. That's not what we want. So no, that's where no. our that's where the, our anxiety comes from. We care, sure, sure. we well, care, and 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 we want we want there to be some success because we know that success for this party means success for the average worker out there. Mm-hmm. All right, for the mm-hmm. for the poor folks of the state that never keep, seem to catch a break. We know that it means good things for education and good things for the workforce and good things for for people who are living paycheck to paycheck. And and those are the people that we. Are, that need the most help, and those are the people that we want to see get help. And so that's where the level of anxiety comes in as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. we want to win, but we want to win for a reason. You know, right. it's not it's not just winning for the team; it's winning for that's a reason. Right. And, that's right. Yeah, and that that kind of gets us to our right wing nut. And you know, and I hope you've enjoyed this conversation today because <laughs> it's been brought to you by you know, uh, um, you know it's uh, because we've, we've covered zero real news, I guess. You know, <laughs> other than you know, you know what. The hell well, we made news today. Okay, we made some news. So y'all, y'all we listen made to some Joey news. And, yeah, and we made some news and, and 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 a little bit of inside baseball sometimes is okay. That's right. That's right. That's right. And but because if we if we are on this course of just worrying about the team and winning, what you end up with is a right wing nut like Herschel Walker hmm. as your candidate, where people are actually considering voting for. I, I what in the hell? Is going on over there? I mean, he's pulled out a badge that is clearly a fake badge. Okay, I mean, yeah, okay, it's the badge exists, all right. It's, it's not a you know like rubber or something, but mm-hmm. it's not a badge he can use to go and arrest people. Okay, he is right. not an officer of the law. Exactly. And, uh, what? What are we? What? And then the explanation about the seven hundred dollars to the lady about he just sends a lot of money to people and he doesn't know and uh, and That's crazy. Uh, I mean. And then the the whole stuff about the insurance, and if you want insurance, you hey, you got an able bodied job, you can have an able bodied insurance. And what are you talking about? You know, mm. and and they're gonna vote for this guy because it means a win for the R team. I, man, we can't live like this. Yeah, you know there is a something is happening uh, or has happened. Um, in the evangelical community in particular, I think, where they've just kind of decided that um, that power is more important than all of the, yep. the uh, moral positions that they have taken over the years, stridently, you know, pointing fingers and criticizing and, you know, attributing hurricanes to... <laughs> You know, yes. fornicating homosexuals and all other kind of crazy stuff. Yes. And now that none of that apparently matters. All that matters is accruing power. Yeah. And so yeah, they're, 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 hey, turn, 
with they Trump. They're about it too, man. They're oh, yeah, about yeah, that. yeah. It's yeah. brazen. So with Trump, they turn the other way. With Walker, they're turning the other way. And yet they're also still trying to preach to people, which I find yeah. fascinating, you know? Yeah. It's just, I mean, this moral nonsense on the abortion issue, and then they're right back on the, well, sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to kill those kids if you want to control the Senate, all right? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes you got to murder some babies, okay? If you want to run the Senate, you got to murder some babies. That's all there is to it. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, there's all, you're right. All they care about is that. All they care about is the power of it. They don't care about anything else. And, you know, I, Honestly, honestly, it, it makes you worried that that that's that's the standard here. I mean, because you look at polling now, and I mean it's neck and neck all the way around. And so, I mean, is that what people want? I mean, is that and if that's true, and and it doesn't matter anymore what you do. And I mean, hell, I think Trump even said this the other day about a candidate. It's like in the past that would have disqualified him, but now not so much, you know. And you know it. If if that's true, if there's no standard, if you have zero standard, because let me tell you, Herschel Walker is a zero standard. All right. There's there's no redeeming quality about Herschel Walker other than he has an R beside his name and he will allow a Mitch McConnell to, to control who gets placed in, in judgeships. That's it. That's the only quality that he possesses. He will represent nobody. He will do nothing of of any su- substance whatsoever for you. He'll have no understanding of the processes and how they're going to do. He's going to be on no committees of, of influence. He's going to have no influence whatsoever. You're going to be screwed from a state standpoint with Herschel Walker as your senator, and yet they're going to vote for his ass anyway because it means power for the Republican Party. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. It's fucking depressing. That's what it is. Just depressing. Let's get out of here. We're giving these people enough. Listen to the Joe Reed interview and spread it around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to slide out. Till next week. Y'all be safe out there. Peace.